0: Little kids believe in fairies. Where does that magic go when they grow up? I'm Shannon Hayes, and you're listening to Season 3 of The Hearth of Satbush Hollow. Welcome to the Hearth of Sapbush Hollow, Chronicles and Lessons from a Life Tied to Family, Community, and the Land. I'm Shannon Hayes, and I operate Sapbush Hollow Farm with three generations of my family in the northern Catskill Mountains of upstate New York. I'm the chef owner of Sapbush Cafe, a farm to table and neighbor to neighbor experience, open Saturdays 9 to 2 in our tiny hamlet of West Fulton. And I'm also the author of a few books, including Radical Homemakers, The Grass Fed Gourmet, and my newest title, Redefining Rich, from Ben Bella Books. I didn't believe in fairies. Sertia made me do it. It seemed an instinctive notion on her part. Five-year-olds can't not believe in fairies, and as she wandered around home, farm and garden, chattering with endless questions about them, she managed to chip away at the walls I had constructed between reality and fantasy, until finally, one morning, I escaped the burdens of parenting for an hour of silence in the woods. Along my amble, I was mulling over a request from her. She had asked me for a fairy tea party for her midsummer birthday, and I was considering who exactly would be the guests. I could deliver the cake. I could deliver tea. But how was I to deliver fairies, I stopped paying attention to where I was and lost myself in the land of motherly mulling, where I pondered how to make something authentic and special for my daughter without weaving lies or filling her with Disney detritus. Next thing I knew, I found myself standing in a copse on the edge of an abandoned graveyard, seriously pondering whether my child was right. Do fairies really exist? And I heard a small voice in my head. Ever since the Enlightenment, man has struggled to believe anything he could not measure. We can't prove fairies exist. Nor can we prove they don't exist. And Sersha had faith that they did. So... I read up a little more and learned that tea made with elderflowers and lemon thyme could help to lift the veil between our world and the next when sipped on the full moon at midsummer, which happened to be her fifth birthday. So for her fairy tea party, we stayed up late till darkness finally settled over our hilltop. We drank the tea. We feasted on cake, put an extra slice on a plate, then took it off into the woods with us, along with Bob's guitar. We set the cake out in a glade of woodland grass as an offering, then settled in to sing to the fairies. That's when the lights started to appear high up in the tops of the trees. Was it fairies? Well, whatever it was, it was magic. For several years after that, each summer when the elderberry bushes bloomed, we would gather the blossoms for tea, then find our way out into the woods for an evening with the fairies but children grow up. Sersha turns 19 this summer. Ula is 15. They have their jobs at the farm. They have friends and boyfriends. They have sewing projects and art projects and music projects. I don't ask them this summer if they'd like to gather the flowers with me. Bob and I sit down with our morning coffee at Rossman Pond, and I watch the blossoms drop to make way for the coming berries. I like thinking about how the birds will enjoy them. I wondered when this day would come, when they would be too busy for midsummer fairy parties, too jaded with the burdens of life to suspend their disbelief and seek magic in the treetops. Because, truly, I am gobsmacked by the burdens their generation carries. They've had so much taken away from them, and moving forward on the conventional trajectory of high school, college, job, and its prescriptive fulfillment is more and more each day an illusory aspiration. Our youth battle anxiety and depression, despondence over the polarization of the world, and the decimation of our planet. I think it takes a lot for a young person to get out of bed each morning and turn their face toward the future with bright eyes. And yet, Sertia and Ula do. They care for the livestock, they help in the cafe, they nurture their hobbies and spend time with their friends. On Friday, Sersha comes back to the cafe after driving through the valley to make a meat delivery. She has brought me fresh fruit to serve Saturday morning. She erupts from her car and begins dancing with joy in the cafe parking lot. Can you believe we get to live here, she exclaims, with these mountains and this light? Can you believe that you can drive through the valley and you can find all this fruit and it's still warm from the sun? It's just amazing. And she carries that sense of wonder and delight with her wherever she goes. Still, Sersha is fully aware of the struggles her generation faces. Some days she comes home from visiting friends, eyes wet, and she pulls me away from my desk. I make us mugs of tea and we sit out on the steps while she weeps for their sorrows. I just want to take every teenager and bring them back to the farm. She confesses, I want to show them what life can be like. I want them to know how it feels to be loved, to have someone believe in them. I want to teach them how it's okay to believe in something, that there is still abundance. And that's when I realize it. She still believes in magic. Growing up has shown my daughter that there are sorrows in this world. But it has not stripped her of her belief in magic. It has infused her with a passion to keep finding it in more than just the treetops. She finds it in a summer's day, in a basket of fruit, in the light on the mountains. And she wants to help everyone around her to see it. I know how she feels. Since the first evening when we saw the lights in the treetops, I wanted everyone to see it too. Some people will. Some won't. And no amount of elderflower and lemon thyme tea is going to lift that veil for them. But that does not stop me from seeing it. Even without the tea. Even with shootings and floods and sickness and wildfires and war. Sometimes, on a winter night, I'll be wakened by a twinkling light in a treetop outside the window. Or I'll see the fairies in late fall when I get up to write while it's still dark. Seeing magic like that does not fix the problems. But something about it fills my heart. And with a full heart, knowing that magic is out there, it gets easier to face the next day to try again to make a better world and to keep finding joy in that sense of wonder. sapbush cafe remains open for the season for the time being until we learn more about bob's radiation treatments every saturday through december 24th from 9 a.m until 2 p.m our online website sapbush farm store is stocked with our grass-fed and pastured meats as well as wool bedding and yarn you can also just drop by and visit our honor store any time of the day or night located in the little red shed at the back of the cafe parking lot our farm-to-table retreat on Panther Creek and the Tenter site are available for summer and autumn bookings. If you want to grab a slot to come hang out with us, you could link over to their Airbnb and Tender listings from the vacation rental tab at sapbush.com. As many of you uh, probably recall, Tibbetts House is now being occupied by members of our family who are coming home to help us work through Bob's cancer treatments. So that is off the market for a little while, but I will be announcing on the website and the newsletter when it comes available on Airbnb again. If you want to follow us this year, please note we are no longer on social media. We're trying to make our lives more sane without it. Instead, you can find us over on the blog at sapbush.com. And you can keep track of our farm happenings, my musings, and the weekly Prefix Cafe special. There, you can also sign up for our digital weekly newsletter. If you enjoy the slower things in life... You can also join our snail mail list and get ULA's hand-drawn postcards with notices about special offers and our CSA program. You can even be entered to win a drawing to win a free CSA pork share by emailing me at shannon at sapwish.com with your snail mail address. Even though we are not on social media, word is getting out about Redefining Rich, which has been awarded an Axiom Medal for small business and entrepreneurship, as well as a Nautilus Medal. Those are the medals saved for books that are going to save the world, folks. So it's a great book. Check it out. If you want to practice some of the concepts, be sure to head over to the blog at sapbush.com where you can download the free Redefining Rich workbook which helps you work on your quality of life statement, identify true wealth and income streams, practice setting boundaries, and gives you exercises for helping your family and workday flow better. If you enjoy this, please take a few minutes to leave a review. This helps other folks find my work. And please share this podcast with friends and family. This really helps to get the ideas to spread. The Hearth of Sapwich Hollow podcast happens with the support of my patrons on Patreon. And this week, I'd like to send a shout-out to my patrons, M.L. Geiger and Mark Sisson. Thank you, folks. I could not do it without you. Attention longtime patrons, if you've been supporting the podcast on Patreon for a while, please scroll on over and make sure that your credit cards are up to date. A number of your cards have expired and need to be re-entered. If you're a new listener and you'd like to help support my work, you can do so for as little as $1 a month by hopping over to Patreon and looking up Shannon Hayes. Or if it's easier, you can also donate to support the podcast by sending a check to Shannon Hayes, care of Sapbush Hollow Farm, 832 West Fulton Road, West Fulton, New York, 12194. Again, Shannon Hayes, care of Sap Bush Hollow Farm, 832 West Fulton Road, West Fulton, New York, 12194. And in case you were wondering, this podcast was produced and edited by the sexiest man alive, my husband Bob Hooper, and the great music we're listening to comes to us from Emory. Thanks for listening, and have a great week.